Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. All right, let's get it going. Wednesday, August 31st, another edition of Sportsnet Today coming your way from the Sportsnet 960 downtown studios in beautiful, sunny Alberta. I'm Logan Gordon. He's Patrick Dumas. I sure am. That hasn't changed. (laughs) The man keeping the ship on track is the one and only Aaron Howell. Good day, gentlemen. How are we feeling on a Wednesday? Oh, feeling all right. Feeling good. Midweek here now, and uh, we can uh, go up into a long weekend. Big Aaron, how are we feeling, pal? Feeling fantastic, Logs. Ready to get going on a busy Wednesday show. It is a scorcher. Is it ever? In the city of Calgary. Settle in, get set for uh, the next three hours of Sports Talk Radio here on Sportsnet. 960 The Fan, we got a great program coming your way in just a few moments. We will chat with the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen, Jeff Chanel, sit to join us. Day one for the Calgary Hitmen training camp kicking off today at the Scotiabank Saddledome, a few weeks out from their home opener. We'll check in with the Hitmen GM. Also, special uh, on a Wednesday, don't always get to do this, but uh, do some travel tomorrow as he's heading to the U.S. Open. We'll get a chance to chat with our MLB and NHL Network pal, Adnan Verk, just after 3 o'clock. And really looking forward to this, preparations underway at McMahon today, mm-hmm. ahead of Labor Day Monday. How about a little one-on-one exclusive chat with Stampeders quarterback, Jake Mayer. Whoa. How about that? Big get. See how Jake's feeling after his first start of the season mm-hmm. and ahead of what should be a massive game between the Stampeders mm-hmm. and the Elks Monday at McMahon in those fancy-looking black and red <laughs> uniforms. So that's all that's on the program today. We'll continue our uh, NFL division previews. Mm-hmm. As well, Patrick, we talked a little AFC West yesterday, and uh, as we get set for week one in the NFL, uh, more player movement today around the league. Some veterans finding new homes, a couple of guys settling in on practice rosters, uh, lots to get to when it comes to the NFL as we get closer to kickoff. Yeah, uh, of course, you know, a lot of players that we thought, yeah, well, well this might be their final time, but nope. Snapped up by practice squad, including some CFLers that uh, will still be in the NFL. Also, the Eagles making up a mistake, trading away a receiver. We'll have more of that later on as well. Yeah, make sure you stick around for uh, some NFL chat today. Sony Michelle has a new home. Tony Jefferson has Alex a new home. Leatherwood got a new home. Alex Leatherwood, <laughs> yes, and uh, a team taking on his contract. Yes. Picking him off of waivers. That team was also very busy on waivers today. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking up scraps from around the league to uh, to fill out their roster. So say what you will about that. But uh, we'll continue to talk NFL as we're uh, just one day away from being a week away, Patrick, from Thursday Night Football kicking us off the Rams and the Bills next week. 
So really looking forward to that. Of course, Stampeders talk as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, With Jake coming on the show today, we'll save Stampeders reports for the rest of the week with Matty Rose. He was back at practice today. Getting you set for that game on Monday, but we'll uh, we'll check in with Matt Thursday, Friday this week, and we'll save the uh, Stampeders content for the quarterback. I think that's I think, fair. Yeah, I think that's what everybody really wants to hear from right now. Yeah, and uh, we're looking forward to that chat. Um, big spot for Jake. Yeah, I think it's a big time for, for I guess, probably uh, Sinar on the Elks. If they can't uh, come away with a win, they probably got to sweep the Stamps to have any chance at coming out of this uh this uh, this is the bottom of the CFL's West Division. Also, a trade in the CFL made late last night. Yes. Uh, big one. I was broken uh, late, late by uh, TSN's Farhan Lalji out in Vancouver. Uh, BC Lions, obviously uh, not confident in what they have with Michael O'Connor and Antonio Pipkin going out and uh, getting one of the bigger names out there uh, in Vernon Adams. Yeah, that was a, uh, a bombshell last night uh, from Farhan and... Really interesting to hear his uh, follow-up tweet to that, which was, you know, that this was something that Gary Stern yeah was blocking had, uh, had blocked that move. <laughs> that was a surprising one, and uh, now obviously with Gary Stern out of the picture, it's something that they went and immediately revisited, and I think changes the landscape of how you look at mm-hmm. the West. If Vernon Adams can come in and be the starter that the yeah. Lions were hoping for, I think it keep like. Uh... It keeps the it'll keep the, the I think the Lions relevant a bit at the top because I think they obviously were going to take a little bit of a step back with Michael O'Connor at uh, at, at wide receiver or at, rather at quarterback. So uh, and he also got banged up against Saskatchewan. I know BC will be entering their bye week this week, uh, trying to get everything rested up. But Vernon Adams, uh, he went on the sixth game in week eight, uh, so this is week thirteen. He's healthy, ready to go, so possibly could be activated as soon as uh, next week for the BC Lions as. As they, As they travel to Montreal, exactly a possible return match, and you know, beat Montreal's been the the site of returns for a lot of guys this year. You know, Kari Jones uh, uh, being relieved from his duties as head coach and going back as a member of the Tie Cats, and you know, it's a different time in Montreal now. I think uh, that Stern leaving maybe kind of opens up this uh, the, the 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 rest of the league for this trade thing. And I think this, like I said before, the quarterbacking in this league is a little suspect of late, and. Uh, Vernon Adams, probably the best available one out there currently. So I wonder what happens with the rest of the situation in the league. Yeah, it's also interesting. I think it it tells you everything as to where BC feels that they are this year. They clearly feel that they're in a win-now mode because if you didn't feel that way, I mean, it's also, yeah, a bit of a shot across the bow to Michael Mm -hmm. O'Connor and Antonio Pipkin that uh, they're willing to spend a first-round pick to go out and get somebody like Vernon Adams. So. Uh, like they're hoping that's a high first round. That's that's eight nine around there if you're BC. But still, I mean that's a that's big currency uh, in a, in a league that really relies on its draft to fill out its rosters. And Montreal gets a, a big piece. Montreal also making a trade, acquiring, adding to their defense, getting uh, Thomas Costigan and and defensive uh, back uh, Nafi's Lions from the Edmonton Elks. So Montreal trying to get something going there, adding big on names on that defense. Costigan and Lion both having pretty good years for the Elks. Yeah, going to be uh, exciting. So we'll chat some CFL football throughout the day. Uh, remember, just after 3.30, Jake Mayer, quarterback of the Calgary Stampeders, is going to join us live here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. But uh, very pleased to switch things over to hockey on a local front here. Uh, we are 24 days away 
from the Calgary Hitmen opening up their home schedule this year. Training camp underway, and to uh, talk about the upcoming season for the Hitmen, very pleased to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen, Jeff Chanel, kind enough to give us some time this afternoon. Jeff, how are you, man? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, look, training camp begins for your team today ahead of another season. How are you feeling day one? Well, as I told somebody, we're still in first place, so we're, that's, a, that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's the start of the season is always exciting. I mean, you get to see the uh, you know the returning players and the prospects, and to see you know how much work they put in throughout the summer, and uh, you know, then you got the young guys coming in the free agent invites who are trying to make an impression. So, no, we're excited about it. It's always great to be back in the rink, and uh, you know, it doesn't seem like that long ago we were still in the rink, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time of the year for not only the Calgary Hitmen but all all, all 22 teams in the Western Hockey League. What is that on a couple of different topics with you today, Jeff? I wanted to start with Steve Hamilton, obviously back for another year as your head coach. He's been with the Hitmen since 2018 now, I believe back in July of that year uh, was when Steve was hired. What is it about Steve that, that has made him such a good fit here in Calgary? Well, I think when you're dealing with today's young athletes, it's different than it was, you know, say 15, 20 years ago, even five years ago. And Steve's background as a teacher just is invaluable when you're dealing with young people today. He's able to communicate with them. Uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he's got a great personality, great understanding. He's a parent himself of three kids. And it's just the little things that are so important when you're dealing with today's athletes and trying to get, uh, you know, get through, not through to them, but, to, you know, to buy into the, what we're trying to sell. And uh, I think with Steve and assistant coach Trent Cassan and that stage, and we're very fortunate to have three great coaches. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about stage there. He's obviously a, a fan favorite here in Calgary and a guy uh, we know well at the station. He joined you guys back in September of last year, and he seemed to have just caught on to the coaching gig right away from a guy out of hockey. And I imagine having a guy like him is pretty invaluable to your group. No question about it. I mean, I didn't know Matt uh, very well uh, when he came in last year, and it was really a seamless transit. You know, you know, a tr- transition to to becoming a coach, and uh, he embraced it fully, committed hundred percent, and uh, we are lucky to have him. And you know, as Steve always says, uh, he never played in the NHL, and neither did Trent Cassand. And you know, all these kids want to get to the NHL, and Matt Staten played over a thousand games, which is an amazing fact and figure. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're just uh, so lucky to have them. And it's, uh, you know, it was hate to, for us to lose Joel Otto with some, you know, hip injury, mm. hip, hip surgery and a few things, and he had to step back. But uh, we didn't miss a beat when uh, Matt came in. And it's uh, now this year he knows what to expect. It's his second year, really his first, well, not really. It is his first training camp because he came in last year after camp. No, we're, we're excited about Matt and what he brings to our group. Uh, Jeff, there's been a lot of discussion around the Wranglers coming to town and, and how everyone's going to make things work at the Saddledome this season. You'll obviously spend some time at Seven Chiefs here at training camp in a, a few games this season, uh, but for the most part, your games are still going to be at the Dome. Uh, is it going to be a challenge for your group to make it work with a busier Saddledome? Well, I think it's going to be a challenge for everyone but the Flames. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, the building's going to be busy. It's busy already because, uh, you know, we talk about the three hockey teams. We haven't mentioned the uh, Calgary Roughnecks lacrosse team and uh, also the uh, all the concerts and other events that get here. It's going to be an even busier facility if that can happen. So there's there's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. I think there's going to be some growing pains for, throughout the groups just because it's new. And I think once we get, you know, adjusted and everything, I think it'll be fine. Uh, you know, our group is always a little bit different because our players, the majority of our players go to high school. 
So high school classes are in the morning. So we always practice later in the afternoon where the pro players, not only the Flames and, and, and the, the Wranglers, they usually practice in the morning. So this allows us to really kind of keep our normal routine because normally we're on the ice every day at, you know, non-Flame game days at 1.30. And so, you know, that's we don't expect much change in that. But, I mean, obviously there's other events that come into the building at different times during the year. So there's, we're going to have to be flexible. I think all the groups are going to have to be flexible because it's, uh, as I alluded to earlier, going to be a very, very busy facility. I guess this is sort of a, a philosophy question for you. And Are you the type of GM that you know, sets goals in mind when a new season starts? Are you looking, at, looking to accomplish A, B, and C for the season to be a success, that sort of thing? Well, I look at, uh, we didn't make the playoffs last year. That's a failure. Yeah. And it starts with me as the general manager, and it goes right through the rest of the staff and the players. We have to be better. We told the players that last year in, uh, at their exit meetings that when you have exit meetings a day after the season ends, that's not a good thing. And uh, we challenged them. Uh, I haven't seen the young players today, but our returning uh, veterans and some of our you know top prospects did their fitness testing today. And I was speaking to Steve Hamilton just before you called, and very happy with the work that they put in in the gym that doesn't mean it's going to translate onto the ice but as steve said then you know they got the message that the coaching staff was sending and uh, that's where it starts and uh, we have to be better we have to be better and uh, as a group and we know that uh, you win in the western hockey league with 18 19 and quality 20 year olds we're a year older we're a young we were a young team last year we have to make some you know tweaks to our roster we only have two 20 year olds we need to try to go out and get another 20-year-old forward at some point just to give us some more, hopefully some offensive depth up front. But, uh, you know, we're excited about our young group and see how much they've, uh, you know, changed since they left here last April. I guess to that point, in junior hockey, always, you know, turnover year after year when it comes to players on the ice uh, and obviously taking over those more prominent roles, Jeff. When you look at your roster today, Obviously, you just mentioned that there's you know, likely to be change, and there's always change during a year. But who do you see as guys on your team who are ready to take that next step for the group? You know, I don't single out the players because I don't like to put the added pressure on them. Okay. You know, we need a number of them to step up. You know, again, those old four group, they were 17-year-olds last year. Which part of that group can step up and give us some more, you know, give us more this year? And, I mean, I'm not just singling out that age group, but then you look at the 2005s as well. They're now 17 years old. We had three of them last year, all three really good hockey players. You know, they're going to want more ice time. They're going to want, you know, more of a bigger role in the hockey club. And those are the, that's the cyclical nature of major junior hockey. You have those players for only five years, from 16 to 20. So, you need those players to step up and give yourself more depth and more, more chance at success. And for we're no different than any other team in the league. The younger players, they're the ones that take the steps. I look at Zach Funk last year. You know, as an 18-year-old, had a great year, over you know, 20 goals. You know, those are the type of things that we need from the 04s and the 05s this year because it takes some of the added pressure offensively off some of your top guys when you have more depth throughout your lineup. What was the off season like for you as far as you know player movement, uh, getting things accomplished that you wanted to? Was it uh, overall a success? You happy with, with how your, your group comes into training camp on day one today, Jeff? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were going to make a lot of uh, changes throughout the summer. We participated in the CHL import draft on July 1st, selected a 2005 defenseman from Chechia that uh, we, you know, comes highly recommended. He would have made the U18 team in, in, at the Holinka Gretzky and Red Deer, but suffered a knee injury at the first <laughs> first camp session. Uh, you know, he got he arrived in on Monday. We're excited about the potential he brings. 
what we're really trying to do this year is have a competitive training camp. You mentioned earlier, we are going to turn over a number of roster spots. That's just normal in junior hockey and more so when you don't make the playoffs. The players know that. So we're expecting probably in my five years the most competitive training camp we've had in all the positions. Talk to me about training camp. That's where I wanted to go with you next. Obviously, today, players returning and getting some fitness testing in. But what's the goal over the next week or so with these young players? I believe uh, in the release, you guys said you're going to have uh, close to 80 players when it comes to returning players, draft picks, listed players, and free agent invites. That's a, a pretty large group to start things off with. Yeah, four teams of 20. That's what we normally do. And, uh, you know, open up. There's some free agents here. We hope that, you know, kids that maybe didn't get drafted in the, the uh, WHL prospects draft last May or some 06s who, you know, have really been like not late bloomers when you're only 16, but, you know, have developed at a different rate compared to some of the other players. You know, you're hoping you always get those young players that come to camp and make an impression. Uh, you know, I always tell everybody, when you come to camp, do what you do and do it well. If you're a goal scorer, score goals. If you're a goal sender, make the save. You know, if you're a puck-moving defenseman, rush the puck. If you're a stay-at-home defenseman, you know, clear the front of the net, make a good first outlet pass. It sounds simple, but that's all you're looking. Don't try to step out and do things that you don't normally do. And, uh, you know, this is, a, you know, four days. You know, the next step is, you know, probably get down to 30 players uh, when camp ends on Sunday with the inter-squad game. And then, you know, Monday's an off day and three days of practice, and we play two exhibition games next weekend against uh, Red Deer. And so, you know, you've got guys that will be going. We have four guys going to pro camp, so they'll be leaving next week. So, again, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to have – it's a quick turnaround before the season starts on September 23rd in Swift Current. I know last season was closer to normal than we're used to over the last number of years, but uh, is this year really going to feel like we're back to 100% for for everybody? I know that's hard to say, and you always want to do it with the caveat that you know we're looking out for everybody's personal health and safety and all of this, and that's still at the front of everybody's mind. But is it starting to feel like we're, we're getting past it and we're getting back to a, a more normal day-to-day for the group? Well, I think we were fairly normal for mostly on the day-to-day last year. I mean, from the hockey standpoint, it was different. Yeah. You know, we didn't travel outside our conference. You know, we didn't go to the Western Conference last year. And, uh, you know, the U.S. team, we go to the U.S. in November this year. That's always a highlight of every season because you only go there every two years. The five B.C. teams come throughout the year to, to, to our building. So, you know, that to me is more of a normal thing that just a normal schedule because we haven't had that for a number of years because of COVID and I, and I think the you know you hope that knock on wood that everything is back to normal we have that normal routine but you know we have to you know we have to be aware of things that be able to change and, uh, and adjust on the go and uh, that's I think we've all done that in society in the last two to three years. Last one for you Jeff I guess just you know a general outlook for your team if it was you know, a return to the playoffs? Is it, you know, being competitive during the regular season? How do you how do you look at what would be a successful year for your group starting today? Well, if we don't make the playoffs, I'll consider it a failure. I, I didn't, uh, I just think that that should be your goal every year. You know, they give out two trophies every year, and if you can't make the playoffs, you don't have a chance to win those trophies. And I just think that as an organization that, uh, you know, Calgary's had a long, proud history here, and uh, we have to, uh, you know, get back into the playoffs. And uh, I'm not predicting a Memorial Cup or a WHL championship by any means. But, I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, we have a hockey club that is capable of making the playoffs. We're going to have to make some tweaks. Uh, you know, it's, it's September 1st tomorrow. There's not many championships won this early in the season. But, again, you know, the good co- the coaching staff and the development of our guys is, is crucial. 
And I, I just think that uh, if you ask me now, that's our goal is to make the playoffs and see what happens. And uh, as you know, not every team makes the playoffs. And it's, you know, we're all started zero when the playoffs start at the end of March. Jeff, thanks for the time today. I know it's a busy one for you as you kick off training camp and you're just a couple of weeks away from kicking off the regular season. Thanks for the time today. Best of luck this season. We'll check in with you as the uh, regular season gets underway. Eh? Anytime. Thanks for having me. There you go. Jeff Chenault, GM of the Calgary Hitman, kind enough to give us some time down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline today, Patrick. And yes, yeah. Friday, September 23rd in Swift Current, the Calgary Hitman back underway. And you know, Jeff mentioned it there, and I love, I, I love the upfront. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we didn't make the playoffs. That's not good enough. That's a failure. Yep. No if ands or what's about it. That's not. We were injured, or we were too young, or anything. We didn't make the playoffs. That's it. We got to make the playoffs, and if we don't, we don't have any excuses. That's mm-hmm. I, I like that mentality from this group. And yeah, is it always you kind of go through these periods of junior hockey, right, yep. where you're. Developing some your, yeah, your phases. young young players yeah. are coming up. You and graduated the Hitman, a ton of guys. Yeah. Hitman kind of they're coming out of that. They're hoping to come out of that. Well, they right got now. hit with that during COVID yeah. too, and you know there were times where you weren't playing or you played an extremely limited schedule. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a tough thing to walk into if you're that mm-hmm. group. So I, I think that it's fair to say that you know I think they want to come out of this strong mm-hmm. after last year. The WHL has been incredibly competitive the last couple of seasons. Yeah. There's been some massive juggernaut teams. Uh, in this league, and I think the Hitmen would love to uh, mm-hmm. get back to that point of being one of those teams themselves. Yeah, I think you know you just have to look up the road and see what Red Deer and Edmonton have been doing the last few years in the WHL. And Edmonton's one of the best junior hockey clubs in all of Canada. Uh, you know, Red Deer they're they're starting to build something back up as well. So you know, looking for the Hitmen to get back to where they were as a consistent you know playoff team. You know, hanging around in the WHL's Eastern Conference is where they should be and where you're expecting to be and Hopefully this is the transition year, and they're finally hopefully out of the COVID mess. And I know the dome will be busy, but they'll have they have the, the relationship at seven Chiefs as well. Uh, I, I'm excited for this season. Can't wait for it to get another. Already getting ready for exhibition season, and like crazy it's September tomorrow, man. Yeah, Friday uh, September 9th, they have their first preseason Yeesh. game wow. uh, against uh, Red Deer at Sutina uh, Seven Chiefs Sportsplex. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you to Cassandra, the Calgary Hitman, for setting yep. up that chat with Jeff with us today. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you are interested in going out and watching some of the training camp uh, on ice sessions for the Calgary Hitmen, they will be at Seven Chiefs Sportsplex starting tomorrow. Uh, a bunch of inter-squad games, uh, Team Getzlaff versus Team Stone, Ladd versus Jones, all of the uh, different um, you know Hitmen greats as the teams have been, as like the group no has been Dodging split. Horse? Uh, not on there yet, but maybe <laughs> one day. Uh, they'll have some inter-squad games leading up until Sunday. All of those on a sessions are free and open to the public. If you need more details, you can head to hitmanhockey.com. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, catch up with the latest news of the day. The Jays looking for a sweep of the Cubs, and a couple of NFL veterans have found new homes after roster cuts. We'll get you the latest from NFL movement on this Wednesday. You're listening to Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. To Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960, the fan. The 01. Soft liner into center. Underneath the Espinal. He's there to finish the ball game. 
The Toronto Blue Jays use the long ball and they come from behind and they knock off the Chicago Cubs. Teoscar Hernandez with a big blast that put the Blue Jays in front. Insurance off the lumber of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And another remarkable save by Jordan Romano who gets the four outs to post a winning addition of Blue Jays baseball. Five to three over Chicago. Well, that's more like it. Sure is. They still have to come from behind, but it was only, uh, once they get into that Cubs bullpen. It was, it's all, it was only one nothing. Yeah, I mean, you just have to get in the Cubs bullpen. There you go. Stroman was lights out. Uh, Kevin Gosman also good for the Blue Jays. By the way, welcome back to Sportsnet today. I'm Logan Gordon. He's Patrick Dumas. Uh, Blue Jays take the series against the Cubs with a five three victory yesterday. You heard it there from Ben Wagner on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Home runs from Teoscar Hernandez and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., along with six solid innings from Kevin Gosman. Just two earned runs, nine strikeouts on the day for the Blue Jays, number 34. Jordan Romano comes in with two pitches in the bottom of the eighth mm-hmm. to finish off the inning, oh, and then a, uh, uh, a real solid ninth to put this one away for the Jays. Now 70 and 58, and uh, slowly but surely making up for that uh, bad series against the Angels. They'll be back at it again tonight. The lineup already out for the Jays as they get set to take on the Cubs once again tonight. Leading off and in center field, George Springer. Vladdy DHing tonight, but also batting second. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Alejandro Kirk, Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman. Yesterday's home run hitter, Teoscar Hernandez. Kevin Biggio will play first base. Whit Merrifield will play second base. Mitch White, one of their trade deadline acquisitions, will get the start for the Toronto Blue Jays. 507 first pitch here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Yeah, I think uh, with tonight, you know, sending Mitch White to the mound, he's, he's going to have a chance to play against maybe a, a softer lineup than his last outing. Uh, so, you know, uh, just go into it with the same, 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 you're going for the sweep, you know, everybody else around you is winning. It's okay. It's not like you, you didn't gain anything yesterday. It's okay. You just keep up with, with what the Rays and the Mariners are doing. Uh, good to see the offense coming through. Teoscar laboring, running out that, di- that ball, uh, diving, catching that one in right field there. And then obviously the big home run there to, to get them, Get them the win, though. This is a it's it's what more of what we want to see from the Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, you got to take yeah, it's the it's the Chicago Cubs, and of course they'll be in Pittsburgh this weekend. But it's just about getting that consistency back in the game and getting the confidence going. Uh, you know, playing in front of your home crowd helps, and and this is a big you know like seeing the lineup. I like seeing you know I was I've been a big advocate of oh, I don't want to see Springer in the field, but you know giving Vladdy a time you know not to be in the field is nice and having him DH once in a while is also good cuz it's been a rough week for Vladdy and all he got slid into uh you know the the ball's been overflown you know he hasn't been the the greatest defensively so maybe just giving him a break at DH and can help him up and break up that lineup so so that's what I'm looking for tonight 507 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan or uh for your viewing pleasure on the Sportsnet television network and uh, as someone pointed out on the uh, asked, I guess, on the fan feedback line, uh, 960-960. Uh, I'm guessing Merrifield is now vaccinated since he's playing in Toronto. Yes, that mm-hmm. is correct. Yeah, he was vaxxed. Uh, I think it was before he was even acquired. I think he had gotten the vaccine uh, definitely ahead of the de- deadline. So just same with Andrew Benintendi, I think, as well. So I think they finally figured it out. 
in Kansas City. <laughs> doesn't matter now. What? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter now. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, moving to the NFL. Uh, we talked a bit uh, last segment that we're eight days away from kicking the season off between the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, NFL movement continuing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, 53-man rosters had to be in yesterday. That meant, uh, obviously, some movement from around the league. Uh, the Chicago Bears, one of the busiest teams, they claim six players off of waivers from uh, teams around the league. The most notable one, Patrick, is Alex Leatherwood, last year's first-round pick of the uh, Vegas Raiders, 17th overall. He did not make the Raiders this year and was placed on waivers. The Bears picked him up. Uh, By claiming him off of waivers, they inherit the rest of his rookie contract, Mm -hmm. uh, which good news for them. Is mostly played out by the Raiders at this point already. I think there's about $5.3 million left on it. Yeah, so not much for three years. So they'll be uh, happy to take a chance on him to see if he can uh, perhaps get a second shot. No, my bad. It's 14, th- there's actually 14.39 million left fully guaranteed on this season as part of his rookie contract. So it's a big pe- No, big- but I think the Raiders have picked most of that. Big- up okay. All right. So already. there's only 5.3, I guess, that the yeah. Bears have to pay. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I think that was the. The big catch mm, to that was that mm. the Raiders have already paid most of it. Oh, so, okay. uh, there you go. Uh, so that uh, the Bears were busy picking up the scrap heap of everybody off of waivers today, including Alex Leatherwood. But we did see a couple of moves with veterans that are interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ravens were trying to convince Tony Jefferson to come back on their practice squad. Uh, he said, "Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to be your third safety uh, behind Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton." He instead will go to the New York Giants uh, to play safety for them. Much more opportunity for him there and uh, well uh, acquainted with their defensive coordinator in New York. So mm-hmm. the, he's off to the Giants. Also have Sony Michelle finding a new home. Uh, he's expected to be the number two running back for the Los Angeles Chargers now behind Austin Eckler. He uh, flew there after being cut by the Dolphins and uh, was immediately signed to a contract by Los Angeles. They were pretty thin behind Austin mm-hmm. Eckler. They've had a couple of guys that they've drafted there the last couple of years, Dumas, but nobody's really come in and taken that. Uh, they were working with a couple of draft picks in Larry Roundtree, Joshua Kelly, and Isaiah Spiller. They liked Spiller in training camp. He's a bit banged up, so they go out and get the veteran Sony Michelle, who finished last year as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, it doesn't have to go too far. I know he was with Miami, and I know it was it was a tough cut. I know it was, it was really tough on Mike McDaniel to make that cut as he had made a lot of impressions down in Miami. But it's a, it's a crowded room down in Miami as well. But the Chargers get a, a need here, a guy that's uh, played in this league, has, has ran well at parts in this league, and it can help out Austin Eckler, spell him as well. A little bit of a bigger back as well can help out the Chargers for sure there. Uh, I like yeah. him as a number two. Yeah. I don't think he's a number one no, back in this no, league. No, for sure. I think he's he's definitely a guy that can spell Eckler very nice. And it gives you a little bit of insurance. Mm-hmm. You never know what exactly. happens with uh, with running backs and the abuse that they take. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the biggest move today is uh, the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. have traded former first-round wide receiver Jalen Rager to the Why Minnesota Vikings. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Um if you miss the Jalen Rager to the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> um, the return much less than you would like for a guy that was a 2020 first round pick, uh, a seventh rounder in 2023, and a conditional fourth 
in 2024. Mm-hmm. This is it has been a mess for Rager in Philly. They had um, picked him really to be the next number one receiver for the group. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really came close for that to happening. Uh, 21st overall in 2020, his rookie year, just caught 31 balls in 11 games, missed five games due to a torn ligament in his thumb. They would go on to select Devontae Smith last year, and of course they traded for A.J. Brown, uh, so really no room on the roster when it came to Jalen Rager. Yeah. Uh, he'll get a chance, hopefully, uh, on the uh, Viking side of things. They're obviously led by Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, but clearly feel that they're willing to take a chance on a former first-rounder. Yeah, the Eagles, uh, Howie Roseman hasn't been the greatest at drafting wide receivers. You can probably throw you can throw Jalen Rager right up there. You can put up Jordan Matthews, Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Those guys never worked out for them. Uh, and now, like just looking at the players that came after Jalen Rager in that 2020 draft, wide receivers that were picked after him is Justin Jefferson was picked right after him. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayu, Gabriel Davis, and Darnell Mooney all went after Jalen Rager in the 2020 draft. So the Eagles obviously trying to make up for them past mistakes. Devontae Smith looks like a pick that they might have hit on. Really good receiver there. Uh, I know he banged up last year, but it'll be more of a number two now that A.J. Brown is in town with Philadelphia. And I think Brown being there makes that Eagles wide receiver room even even better. And a guy for like Jalen Rager, who knows? This guy obviously has the talent. Maybe just needs a new set of eyes on him to try and bring some more out of it. He's not like he's going to have to be relied on a lot there. They've got a rookie they're really excited with in Jalen Naylor in Minnesota. They got KJ Osborne as well. So Rager going there to help out. Good depth acquisition for uh, for the new crew in Minnesota. Other NFL news today when it comes to some of the veterans around the league. Uh, Kenyon Drake set to sign with the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, what a weird situation uh, for him after spending last year with Arizona, goes and signs with Vegas this offseason, uh, gets a good chunk of money paid to him as a signing bonus and doesn't make the team mm-hmm. uh, and now gets to sign a new contract with the Ravens. So their uh, running back room becomes a little bit more complicated behind J.K. Dobbins and I think Gus Edwards still in the it, in the mix there so it, it works their offense they run the ball they know what they're doing they just it's a running back by committee type there you know Kenyon Drake's a guy that's had success in this league and, if, and this is a team that had a ton of injuries in that running back room last year uh obviously Lamar Jackson's situation with his contract is ongoing I know he was on Twitter quite active uh on Twitter recently calling out like that you know somebody suggesting that the Ravens had offered him the two hundred and fifty million dollars, and he said no to that. And then Lamar Jackson responding to that comment or saying they have not offered me two hundred and fifty million dollars. So uh, it is it's gonna be a real interesting season. He even liked the tweet of him in a in a Miami Dolphins jersey. So Baltimore is a is a very interesting team to watch as they figure out that Lamar Jackson contract situation. Uh, it sounds as though uh, Shaq Leonard, uh, who was uh, formerly known as Darius Leonard, uh, sounds like he is back practicing with them and could be on the field week one for the Colts. That would be a huge add mm-hmm. to their defense. Cowboys will go with uh, rookie left tackle Tyler Smith to open up their season. Of course, Tyron first Smith, uh, the presumptive number one there with another bad injury mm-hmm. uh, that will keep him out of action for a while. And O.J. Howard visiting the Bengals after he was released uh, by the Buffalo Bills earlier this week. So 
Lots to get to. Uh, player movement this time of year, always plentiful, Patrick. And mm-hmm. here we are, just a, a week and a day away from kicking it off. Yeah, you know, the guy. I always kind of feel, you know, the guys that make, oh, I made the 53-man roster, but then the next day hits, and you're like, well, I don't know. I like those guys that got released, and now you're going to. I know Green mm-hmm. Bay had a situation where they had, they brought in a safety midway through camp, won a job, and now he's out after they signed Rudy Ford from Jacksonville. So it's a cutthroat business. Uh, some, But, you know, there's some, like, you know, Chris Strebler finding his way back on the Jets practice squad after a really solid preseason. So maybe we'll see him on a roster with the Jets uh, later on this year. Dakota Shepley signing with the Dallas Cowboys as well. So, you know, there's always a second chance, but you can never, you know, it's always tough day for a lot of guys yesterday. Uh, so that's the NFL story. Uh, we talked uh, Blue Jays. We'll dive into more of that. NFL rosters continue to be hammered out as we get set for kickoff next week. And uh, in the NHL, the Buffalo Sabres with uh, some more news today uh, after Tage Thompson got re-signed yesterday. This is a bigger story, I think. No, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Dumont, as cheek. much as I love tongue in cheek. as much as I love Jersey talk and I do love Jersey talk uh them uh you know player situation gonna uh, take that over again uh, this is one of the worst names I saw it come down and I knew it was gonna be a mess uh goaltender Uko Pekka Lukanen nice signs a two-year contract extension uh with the team the young netminder uh, he's a monster. It's 6'5", 217 pounds uh, from Finland. He's their second-round pick back in 2017. Uh, just nine games with the club last season with a 2-5-2 record, 9-17 save percentage, and a 2-7-4 goals against. They are kind of, I think, still holding out hope that this could perhaps be their goaltender of the future, yep. Patrick. So uh, an easy contract for them today to get done after they spent all the money on Tage Thompson yesterday. Yeah, you know, this is uh, the last uh, remaining RFA that they had, I believe. And then, you know, they are, they got Eric Comrie there as well. So, uh, this is Buffalo's an interesting team going forward. This It's a young group that make, took strides forward yes, last year. Jeff Skinner coming back after a couple rough years as well. So, really interested to see what happens with Buffalo this year. See, but the thing that you're most interested in is when they're going to wear their new alternate yeah. jerseys that they announced. Yeah, I really today. care about that. November 23rd will be the day that the goat head. The jersey that uh, they brought in in the head of the 96-97 season, where a lot of Sabre fans will say this is arguably probably the greatest decade uh, of for Sabre hockey. Uh, you know, they went to three conference finals. Uh, they went to a cup final, obviously very controversial loss to the Dallas Stars. You know, Brett Hall skating the crease. No goal, as Lindy Ruff like to say heading towards uh the summer but no this uh it's cool cool memory like you know a lot of a lot of little dominic hashik jason palmanville chris drury daniel briere maximum Fanaganov. that crazy spin around goal wearing those jerseys too so well, it's cool to see uh and that's not part of their reverse retro just no to, uh, this is their official this is, third yeah, jersey so the official third so They'll have it for at least a couple of years. So if you were a fan of the old black, red, and silver uh, look for the Buffalo Sabres, you were uh, very happy today. I uh, did want to pass this note along as well. This is uh, some unfortunate news from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, following a medical evaluation this morning, uh, White Sox manager Tony La Russa, uh, is scheduled to uh, undergo additional testing in Arizona by some personal, personal physicians. Um, he's got an indefinite absence from the club. So... Uh, a bit of a health scare for Tony Larusa. 
the manager of the Chicago White Sox today. So we're sending our best uh, to him. Uh, hopefully it's nothing too serious, but obviously when you hear the words indefinite yeah. and uh, not going to be with the team for any set period of time, mm-hmm. uh, you get a little bit concerned. So uh, the best to Tony La Russa, the White Sox, I don't know if I want to say they're still in it. But, you know, it's been it's been a really like, rough go for Tony La Russa this year. There's been, you know, you don't have to you just Google his name and find out what's going on with the, with the, him and the White Sox this year. Uh, you know, it's tough to see. It's, you know, it's an older guy. He's 77 years old. Um, probably shouldn't be managing a Major League Baseball team anymore. But, uh, you know, again, all the best. Hopefully it's it's nothing too, too bad. And, uh, you know, if this is the end of him as manager of the White Sox, then you know, it was a, you know, it, it was been a tough year. This is a team that's probably underachieved a lot. This is a good roster for the White Sox, and they should be right there. They with, spent a lot of money in the offseason. This should be a team that should be leading the AL Central. That pitching staff is banged up, but you know, led by Dylan Cease, so that's a good group. And maybe you know, I mean, who knows what the what Carl uh, what the new manager can? Uh, I believe it's uh, Miguel, Cairo. Miguel Cairo will be taking over. So who knows what happens uh, with the White Sox as they enter September here? But uh, I mean, obviously they'll be uh, their thoughts will be with Tony Larusa. Uh, and last but not least, uh, you're excited for some Canadian tennis today, Patrick. Yeah, already one uh, one and zero, oh, uh, three to go. Rebecca Mar- Rebecca Moreno won her uh, second round match against uh, Daria Snigur out of Ukraine in straight sets. Uh, getting ready for Leila Annie Fernandez's second round matchup uh, coming up at three thirty. And then the night session at Louis Armstrong you got Felix Oje Aliassime taking on Jack Draper, and then Bianca Andreescu follows. Uh, Oje Aliassime taking on Beatriz Hadid Maya. Hadid Maya uh, was the finalist at the National Bank Open in Toronto. So it'll be a tough matchup for Bianca, but uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Moreno, holy cripes, will be off to the third round while she will take on Zhang Shui of China on Friday. I'll have to ask. Uh, Ver- Shapo won late yesterday as well in, in a long, long battle, but Shapo is also going to move it on to the second round as well. Yeah, you got uh, you probably got home to see some of that. I did see a little you bit were of Chapo running out of here yeah. yesterday to go see Had to some go Chapo. See Chapo. <laughs> uh, we'll see if any of them are still around for uh, for our next guest when uh, Adnan Verk heads to the uh, U.S. Open uh, to go see some of the action. I'll be curious to see if he's going to show his Canadian card there. If he's going to be mm-hmm. actively rooting for the Canadians in the field, or if he's going to. You know, use the old media excuse of hey, no, cheer, no cheering in the press box. Can't be. Can't you know, it's only the first week. That, so. It's only the first week. They get to the second week, then you can maybe start breaking out the cheers. You said you always wanted to go to the U.S. Open. Hey? It is my dream sports. You know, like yeah, there's Super Bowls. There's you know, like college football trips. But I think one of the things I've always wanted to see is definitely uh, the U.S. Open in New York. Uh, it's it's one of the more, you know, it's not your prototypical tennis tournament. You know, of course, you have to be quiet and everything, but it's not the, you know, yeah, there's the classiness. It's not compared to, like, Wimbledon and Roland Garros. It's it's different. It's 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 New York. It's the night, you know, at, at Arthur Ashe, Louis Armstrong. Great, great venue uh, there for everything. Sandra Persina, she's been there as well. So, you know, it's a dream for me to get out there. One day. One day. One day we'll get out there. Hmm. I don't know that a tennis event, I like, I mean, Wimbledon's up there for mm-hmm. me. I, I, I think what? more traditional. I'm probably more traditionalist yeah. when it comes to like dream sporting events. Like I've always wanted to go to to Boston to oh, sit yeah. on gr- the Green Monster for at sure. Fenway for a game, but I've never. There's a know. list, but this this is this is definitely. It's at the top, the top of the list for you. Be at the top, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
I don't hate it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on it by any means. I mean, you obviously, just, you have to. You gotta like the sport, and you know, attending tennis, you know, seeing it live is actually is actually pretty awesome. To no, is it just a final, or just go for a day, or oh, what? Is I don't it know. Just it's anything. Cool. I don't know. Go for a couple days, whatnot. See what's happening. I know, like you said, you can go to. Sandra said yesterday, you can. There's the day pass. You can just go to all the courts. Only you have to really buy a ticket for Arthur Ashe. So, yeah, kind of cool to see. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Aaron, and you're not as big a sports guy as we are, but do you have a sporting event that you'd like to uh, to go to one day? I have yet to ever been or ever been to a uh, playoffs game for NHL. Really? Yeah. Mm. It's on a bucket list. Oh, probably could have could have done some about that last year. Well, hell, I, yeah. I even I, I got I got the game two against the Oilers. Well, I was always working them. I, oh, I guess yeah. <laughs> you were kind of yeah, you were kind of the guy last year. Hmm. But you're kind of you're kind of a soccer guy, right? You you're at the Cavs games all the time, oh, yeah, so that's time. probably also working them. But yeah, but you're there. I'm there. Different than here, where you're not at the Saddle Dome. True. Working it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I thought Aaron would be like, yeah, I want to go see uh, LeBron James courtside. You know, some people. That would be cool, though. Yeah. So you're not as much, like, you're, you're a sports guy, but you're not, like, you're not nearly the insanity level of me and Dumas. Uh, no, not quite. He's got a life. That's fair. I am a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> you're something. Uh, speaking of something, uh, our next guest is something. <laughs> Uh, special Wednesday edition, uh, our visit with Adnan Verk being pushed up to today instead of the regular Thursday mm-hmm. spot. Uh, he's off to uh, Patrick's favorite event, and I'm sure Dumas will ask him uh, what he's going to get up to at uh, the U.S. Open. Adnan Verk from the NHL Network and MLB Network, plus the Cinephile Podcast, set to join us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.